hello everyone welcome to another episode on rising above shadows of abuse Russell I'm your host Grace Upper this is where we talk about everything relating to abuse and mental health hope you've all had a lovely week I'm going to start with a newsreel from Sky News serial rapist and animal killer Kevin Vivas handed life sentence with at least 10 years in prison. 2nd of February, 2024, by, by Janice Mitchell, Scotland reporter. Kevin, who is a serial rapist and animal killer who preyed on women for more than three decades, has been handed a life sentence with at least 10 years behind bars. Kevin Vivas, 58, subjected his six victims to assaults, sexual assaults and rapes during a campaign of abuse that spanned from 1985 to 2020 in the West Lothian and Fourth Valley areas. His abuse of animals included shooting a dog dead and slitting the throat of another. Vivas from Bathgate in West Lothian was found guilty of 27 charges, including nine rapes seven assaults, four sexual assaults, and five counts of animal cruelty. At the High Court in Edinburgh on Friday, Judge Lord Lake imposed an order for lifelong restrictions on Vivas, who was 19 when he began his attacks. He will be monitored by authorities until he dies and will have to spend at least a decade in jail before being eligible for parole. However, Lord Lake warned him, I must make it clear to you that this does not mean that you will be released automatically at the end of that period. He was also placed on the sex offenders register indefinitely and banned from contacting his victims. The judge added, they are offenses of the most serious kind, even when taken individually. When considered together, they are a continued cause of depraved conduct showing the highest degree of culpability. I have no hesitation in concluding that there is a likelihood that if at liberty, you will seriously endanger the lives of physical or psychological well-being of members of the public at large. Viva's crimes included the rape of a woman on a farm track, molesting another victim while she was asleep and indecent conduct towards an underage girl in a field when she was 13 or 14. He went on to assault and rape the same victim when she became an adult. He was found guilty at the High Court in Livingston. He was found guilty at the High Court in Livingston in November. At his sentencing in Edinburgh on Friday, Vivas told the court via video link from prison, I have been penalized for something that is well and truly unproved. His outburst came after he failed to find new legal representation after dismissing lawyers earlier in the week when he was initially due to be punished. Lord Lake said he believes Vivas was playing the system in order to avoid facing the consequences of his conduct. He added, Your victims showed great courage in giving their evidence and did so with dignity. I hope that as today marks the end of the trial process, 
will be of some help to them in their lives and in coping with the harm you have done to them. Following Friday's hearing, Scotland's Procurator Fiscal for High Court Sexual Offences, Branded Vivas, a habitual offender who subjected women to appalling physical and sexual assaults. Katrina Parks added, we hope it is some reassurance to others and comfort to his victims that his criminal behavior has been brought to an end by today's sentence. As prosecutors, we are grateful for the courage of his victims. They bravely spoke out in the pursuit of justice, even when the offending occurred some years ago. I would encourage all victims or witnesses of similar offending to come forward, report it and seek support. Detective Chief Inspector Stephen McMillan said it had been a difficult case due to the horrendous nature of Viva's crimes. He added, our thoughts remain with the victims and their families. It is from their report that we were able to build a significant case against Viva's, which ultimately resulted in the sentencing today. I hope this brings them some comfort and helps them move forward. What are your thoughts about this particular newsreel? Kindly leave your views on our social media handles or send an email to risingaboveshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. Thank you. Our next newsreel is from the Independent Newspapers by Maya Oppenheim. 2nd of February, 2024. Police forced to run background checks on sex abuse suspects or face sack under proposed Gare's law. Gare's family say her death was linked to police failing to properly investigate a rape allegation against a suspect with a history of sexual abuse against women. Police officers who fail to run background checks on sex offense suspects will face being fired on the new measures proposed to Parliament to crack down on sexual predators. The new measures would force officers investigating cases of rape and serious sexual offences to investigate any prior allegations against the suspect to ensure repeat offenders are identified. Labour MP Jess Phillips said the proposal will make sure police serve to the highest standard and are held to account if they fall short. She told the Independent, it's crucial that a police force moves every muscle to ensure dangerous men are held to account for their crimes, taking off our streets and out of our homes. The new rules have been put forward in memory of Gare Pope, whose body was discovered 11 days after the 19-year-old went missing from her aunt's home in Swanage, Dorset, in 2017. Gare's family say her death was linked to Dorset police failing to properly investigate a report of rape against a suspect who had multiple previous allegations against him. The College of Policing National Operating Model already states officers should be doing running checks as a matter of course, but under the new measures, failure to conduct thorough investigations will constitute workplace misconduct.
Police did not proceed with criminal charges after Gare's accusation of rape, but her alleged rapist was handed a two-year sentence later, that same year, for an unrelated case involving a teenage girl. Gares went missing around the time he was due for release from prison, with her family saying she was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, following her alleged assault. Speaking to The Independent in an exclusive interview, Gares' cousin, Mariana Pope Vederman, said, there must be consequences if police officers are not following the College of Policing Gardens. She said, just like any other job, if the pattern persists, it should be a misconduct issue. You should not be allowed to keep your job if you can't get this right, because it puts people's lives in danger. The gardens is words on paper. There is no meaningful accountability for failures to follow it. Given the crisis of public confidence in policing, it is an insult to all of the people who have been unnecessarily victimized, denied justice, or left in danger because of these failings. Ms. Pope Verderman said she believes the police didn't present Gare's alleged rapist's previous sex offending accusations to the Crown Prosecution Service, CPS, because they were unaware of them or the decision may have stemmed from institutional misogyny. She added, either it's a staggering level of incompetence, which is putting public safety at risk, or equally disturbing, it is because a set of assumptions were made about Gares based on her mental health difficulties. That meant she was not taken seriously as a victim that they just immediately dismissed her claim. This screams institutional misogyny to me. This is a systemic widespread issue within policing. Ms. Paul Verderman of the Germany Project, a charity campaigning to end sexual violence, warned the major problem with the current guidance is the fact it is optional. If there is no oversight and accountability, how can we trust an institution which is already established to have a misogyny, racism and homophobia problem to properly implement guidelines, she added. If we enact this principle, it will seriously improve the effectiveness of investigating serious and repeat offenders and it will prevent so many people becoming victims in the first place. Labour MP Ms. Phillips, former Shadow Minister for Domestic Violence and Safeguarding, said she had encountered many sexual violence victims who said it was not the abuse that broke them, but the failed state response. The MP for Birmingham Yardley added, it is crucial that our police force moves every muscle to ensure dangerous men are held to account for their crimes, taking off our streets and off our homes. This must include ensuring officers diligently search for previous intelligence on suspects, crucially looking at previous reports, charges or convictions against the perpetrator. This must be a basic, fundamental part of a police officer's service. The girl's principle makes sure officers join the dots and known perpetrators are not able to act with impunity.
Verity, the co-founder of Germanine Project, said, too many survivors have been denied justice because police cannot follow basic processes and do their jobs properly. The National Police Chiefs Council declined to comment, while a spokesperson for Dorset Police and the Home Office has been contacted for comment. Our family will never recover, Ms. Pope Viderman said. The grief is so amplified by the fear I live with every day that more people like her are being put at risk in all the same ways because of a persistent institutional refusal to really step up and actually take action. A spokesperson for the Home Office said their sympathies are with girls, popes, family and friends. The representative added, the College of Policing published their Code of Ethics, which states that officers are expected to gather, verify and assess all appropriate and available information, including in rape and sexual assault cases, and failure to act diligently in their duties and responsibilities could lead to a dismissal. What do you think about this? Kindly leave your comments. Thank you. Sky News. 2nd of February, 2024. By Janice Mitchell, Scotland reporter. Jack Johnson jailed for six years for sexually assaulting one woman and raping another in Lewick. A sex attacker who admitted raping a woman after being found guilty following a trial wept during his sentencing as he was jailed for six years. Jack Johnson, 32, molested one woman after pinning her down. A judge described the sexual assault as degrading and humiliating for the victim. Jackson... Johnson also shouted and swore at the woman. He then raped a second woman who was intoxicated and incapable of giving or withholding consent after she had consumed alcohol, smoked cannabis, and taken cocaine. During Johnson's trial at the High Court in Edinburgh, the victim told jurors that she was unable to open her eyes and fend off the attack. Lord Lake accepted that Johnson did not force the drugs on his victim, but took advantage of the situation. The judge added, I can recall her distress in describing that she was aware of what was happening, but unable to stop it. In that regard, I have considered the victim impact statement that she provided, and it is apparent that her suffering has continued long after the event. Johnson attacked the women in Lerwick, Shetland in 2017 and 2021. He was convicted in October last year following a trial and was sentenced on Thursday. As well as a six-year jail term, Johnson was also placed on the sex offenders register indefinitely. Johnson, formerly of Cramlington, Northumberland, had denied any wrongdoing but has since accepted his guilt. While observing proceedings via video link from prison, Johnson could be seen crying and holding his head in his hands as his lawyer delivered his mitigation. Defense solicitor advocate, 
Brian Gilfeder said, the accused now accepts his guilt in relation to the charge, which is quite unusual. He wants to apologize to the complainer because she had to give evidence. Lord Lake said he took Johnson's admission into account, but said it came too late to lead to a modification of sentence. The judge added, these crimes require a sentence with a significant punitive element. You have not previously received a sentence of imprisonment. Nonetheless, I am satisfied that only a custodial sentence would be appropriate in the current circumstances. What are your thoughts about this? Leave your comments. Thank you. Our fourth newsreel is from the Metro Newspapers by Ben Ashton, 1st of February, 2024. Woman raped at hospital in Liverpool. A 28-year-old man has been charged with the rape of a woman at a hospital in Merseyside. Sidhat Nur of Jason Street, Everton, Liverpool, has been charged with two counts of sexual assault. The victim reported that she had been raped by a man at Winston Hospital on Tuesday evening. She is being supported by specialist officers and police say inquiries into the case are still ongoing. Mr. Nair appeared at Wirral Magistrates Court today. He has been remanded in custody and will appear at Liverpool Crown Court on February the 29th. Detective Chief Inspector Alison Woods of Merseyside Police said, We understand how shocking incidents of this nature are, and I want the public to be reassured it will be thoroughly investigated. The woman is being supported by specially trained officers, and our inquiries remain ongoing. What do you think about this? Kindly leave your comments on our social media handles or Send us an email at risingaboveshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. Thank you. Sky News. 1st of February, 2024. By Robert Mulhern, Rebecca Thomas, and Sawar Mahmood. Mental health patients raped and sexually assaulted in NHS care as national scandal revealed. An investigation by Sky News and The Independent has uncovered nearly 20,000 complaints of sexual assault, abuse and harassment involving both patients and staff across more than 30 mental health trusts in England since 2019. The investigation was packed by the testimony of Alexis Quinn, a former British youth swimmer whose story is told in the new Sky News podcast, Patient 11, after she escaped from psychiatric care following complaints of sexual assaults by male patients. In both instances, Alex's alleged attackers faced no criminal action. Multiple patients and their families have come forward to tell their stories. They include a law graduate, who described how she was sexually assaulted by a male staff member before being moved on to a mixed-gender psychiatric unit. Meanwhile, a mother of two said she was subjected to five months of horrific sexual abuse at the hands of a male staff member 
I thought it was just me, Alexis told Sky News. But it's not just me. There are thousands of people like me. In 2021, the Department of Health committed to eradicating mixed sex care across its inpatient services. Despite this, more than 12 years on, Sky News and The Independent had identified hundreds of allegations of rape and sexual assault in mixed sex wards and shared spaces in NHS England psychiatric care. Following more than 50 freedom of information requests to NHS England, mental health trusts with 38 responses, we can reveal nearly 20,000 sexual safety incidents were reported on inpatient mental health wards between 2019 and 2023, with the annual figure rising each year. A sexual safety incident is defined as any unwanted sexual behavior that makes a person feel uncomfortable or unsafe. This includes rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment, comments of a sexual nature, and observing sexual behavior, including exposure to nakedness. Nearly 4,000 sexual safety incidents were reported between January and August 2023, higher than the annual total for both 2019 and 2020. That trusts are largely failing to apply 2020 government-backed sexual safeguarding protections with only six authorities demonstrating that they are doing so. A separate FOI request conducted by the independent revealed more than 800 allegations of sexual assault and rape involving female patients across more than 20 trusts between 2019 and 2023, only 95 of which were reported to the police. More than 500 allegations of sexual assault and rape in mixed male and female NHS England psychiatric inpatient settings across more than 20 trusts. The findings have been described as a national scandal by former Victims Commissioner Dame Vera Bird. Meanwhile, Dr. Laid Smith, President of the Royal College of Psychiatrists said, horrendous findings show that there is still much to do to make sure that patients and staff in mental health trusts are protected from sexual harms at all times. It is deeply disturbing and troubling to see that so many incidents in mental health settings go unreported. Labour's Shadow Health Secretary, Wes Streeton, said it was chilling that these horrific alleged crimes were reported to have taken place in the NHS. Very serious questions must urgently be asked of hospital leaders who have to explain why the vast majority of these incidents were kept from the police, he added. NHS England must explain why so few trusts have implemented sexual safeguarding protection designed to keep patients safe. The government must treat this investigation as a wake-up call and act against the soaring number of mixed-sex wards in the NHS today. In 2012, Alexis, a mother who worked as a teacher, entered care following the death of her brother. On diagnosis with autism, she explained of a sexual assault by a male patient at Kent's Little Brook Hospital on Christmas Day in 2013 after she was placed on an all-male ward. I was in such a bad way. It was Christmas Day and I wasn't with my little girl, she added. He pressed me up against the door and lifted my top up and he started to touch me on my breasts and then pulled my trousers down. 
All I could hear was his breathing and everything was slow and really loud. And I remember not only being able to move and being stuck. In a letter to her family in early 2014, Kent and Medway NHS Trust said Alexis should not have been admitted as the sole female patient on a ward with only male patients and committed to her safeguarding. But just months later in 2014, Alexis made a second complaint after being moved to yet another mixed gender care setting at St. Martin's Hospital in Kent. The University of Edinburgh graduate said, I was getting some treatment in a treatment room with a female nurse. I've just come in from a run, so I was wearing running shorts and a running vest top. And a male patient came into the treatment room and started groping me on my breasts and on my bum. Addressing the second complaint, Kent and Medway NHS Trust said it was unfortunate that incidents like this occur due to the acute nature of the patients admitted to the ward. Alexis alleged attacker faced no criminal action because they were deemed not to have the capacity to go through a police investigation, according to her mother, Linda. Kent and Medway NHS Trust told Sky News it has eradicated mixed words, adding, we continue to offer our sincerest apologies to Alexis for the unacceptable behavior she experienced when she was in our care. Sectioned under the Mental Health Act and legally detained, Alexis spent almost four years in largely locked-in care environments, including the now-closed Milton Park, therapeutic campus in Bedfordshire, where she said she had to shower in front of male staff members. I felt sick. I just cried. Like Alexis, autism patient Rivka Grant said she found herself exposed to mixed gender NHS mental health inpatient setting when battling depression. The 34-year-old law graduate, originally from Enfield, North London, said she was sexually assaulted by a male healthcare worker while on a female ward at Chase Farm Hospital in 2016. There was one staff member, and it seemed really nice and supportive, she told Sky News and The Independent. I didn't realize at the time that this was a bad thing, that he was in my room when I was by myself in the night with the door shut. She described being sexually assaulted by the staff member saying, he said to me that I must promise not to tell anyone or he will lose his job. I felt sick and I suddenly felt it all. What has happened? I just cried. Following the incident, Rivka said she was moved to a mixed sex ward despite having told staff she had been sexually assaulted. Her attacker was convicted in June 2017 following a police investigation. There is no safety in mental health hospitals. North London Mental Health Partnership, which now runs Chase Farm Hospital, said the safety of its users is a top priority and that it is deeply sorry for what happened to Riz Carr. It said it has since strengthened its safeguarding process. I thought I was in a safe place, Riz Carr said, and you believe you, when you are in a hospital, you should be safe. They're in a place where there's 24-7 care. And unfortunately, obviously, I learned that there is no safety in mental health hospitals. In 2020, after the Care Quality Commission raised national concerns over sexual abuse in mental health services, the NHS set up new guidelines under its sexual safety collaboratives. Just six trusts have provided evidence they have met the collaboratives guidelines in response to Sky News FOI requests. In 2015, 
Stephanie Totti sought help from Essex Mental Health Services while dealing with the trauma of a rape she suffered in her youth. While under the care of Essex Partnership University NHS Foundation Trust, the 28-year-old mother of two said she suffered repeated sexual abuse by a male staff member over a five-month period. After a two-year investigation, she said she was told by police in 2017 that her case could not proceed due to the low likelihood of conviction. She said, what happened with the alleged abuser will always have a lasting impact on me, even more so than the first rape that made me unwell in the first place. He's a predator with no words for him. He's a sexual predator. Essex Partnership University NHS Foundation Trust told Sky News and the Independent that reports like Stephanie's are immediately referred to the safeguarding team and fully investigated. Charlie Brooker, Honorary Professor of Criminology and Mental Health at London's Royal Holloway University, has examined the relationship between sexual assault and mental illness. He told Sky News and the Independent there should now be an inquiry into sexual safety in mental health wards. He said, if an inquiry was set up to look at the sexual safety in mental health inpatient wards, because in my opinion, it should be, it will be fascinating to see how many people came forward and wanted to give evidence. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it wasn't several thousand. What has the NHS and the government said? In a statement, NHS England said, we are taking action to ensure the safety of patients and staff, including rolling out better reporting mechanisms, training and support as part of the NHS new sexual safety charter. NHS England has advised all trusts and local health systems to appoint a domestic abuse and sexual violence lead to support patients and staff to report incidents and access support with more than 300 now in place. NHS England went on to cite its commitment to the 2020 government-backed sexual safety protections, despite only six trusts demonstrating their application. The Department of Health spokesperson said, sexual violence or misconduct of any kind is unacceptable and has no place in the NHS. And NHS organizations have a responsibility to protect both staff and patients. We are working closely with the NHS to ensure everyone receiving treatment in a mental health facility receives safe, high quality care and is looked after with dignity and respect. What do you think about this? This is horrendous and needs to be further looked into. Kindly leave your comments on our social media handles or send us an email. Thank you. Manchester Evening News by Joseph T. Mann, 27th of January, 2024. I'll kill you, you know. I'll kill you before I lose you to another man. This is the chilling virtual reality experienced teaching lawyers and other professionals in Greater Manchester about coercive control. A terrifying virtual reality experience is being used to raise awareness of coercive control, the Unbroken Project, which is partly funded by the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, GMCA, is helping teach people in the city region about the emotionally abusive behavior. The innovative training program 
which is made up of two parts, uses virtual reality headsets to put people in the shoes of those experiencing gender-based violence. The first part named Insight is based on the real life accounts of 15 survivors of coercive control. Mother Mountain Productions, which is behind the project, also interviewed five agencies that support victims to inform the training. It is aimed at professionals such as legal, health and social care sector staff, helping them understand the impact of coercive control. Some of the distressing videos are shot from the perspective of those who are experiencing the controlling behavior. In one video, a man berates his partner for not washing up to his standard before dunking her head in water and shouting, wash it, wash it, wash it. In another chilling video, the man interrogates the woman, accusing her of lying about her whereabouts. He then demands that she takes off her knickers and inspects them before saying, I'll kill you, you know. I'll kill you before I lose you to another man. Mountain, Mother Mountain founder Jude Frahen said many people working in the legal system do not know enough about this behavior. She said, Professionals tend to understand physical injuries, but often struggle to understand the long-term effects of coercive control over years, which can lead to a gradual erosion of who you are in almost every sense. The training is now mandatory for all prosecutors at the Crown Prosecution Service, CPS, in the Northwest. Karen Shathman, a senior district Crown Prosecutor at the CPS said, as an experienced prosecutor, I'm very familiar with the law on this type of offending. What this training offered, in addition to the formal training, was the chance to see it from the victim's perspective, and I found it very impactful. Since attending the training, CPS Northwest has made this training mandatory for all prosecutors, and I have no doubt others will benefit from the experience. The other part of the unbroken training called Flourish includes inspirational interviews with survivors and experts, animations, mindfulness meditations, and life coaching. It aims to promote resilience and recovery for people affected by gender-based violence. Flourishing is being rolled out to agencies who support women across North Wales and Greater Manchester. Kate Green, who is Greater Manchester's deputy mayor responsible for policing, crime, criminal justice and fire said, the signs of domestic abuse and coercive control can so often be hard to see, both for those affected by it and those close to them. And we know that it is often difficult to speak out and seek help. That's why Mother Mountain's work is so important. It's vital that we improve understanding of gender-based violence wherever we can but particularly among professionals who come into contact with a wide range of people in our communities, and of course, continue to provide support for those who ask for help. What do you think about this project? Leave your views on our social media handle, or send us an email at our email address, rising above shadows of abuse. That's it all for today, listeners. See you on the next episode. I'm still your host, Grace Hopper. Have a wonderful week ahead and see you next week. Take care and bye for now. Stay safe and be positive.